and actually need to start to talk to the Hispanic population in an authentic and engaging and interesting way. Um, which was completely, you know, which felt like, whoa, what just happened you know, mm. in, in that point? But I suppose what I what I got a sort of a real understanding of there was that, you know, just you 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 can't build a marketing plan, and I think the same is true in some ways in the UK, in the in the US for one consumer group, right? When you look at a brand and the opportunities that brand has, you need to work out by retailer by occasion what is it that the brand is offering and what is it that the brand needs to do. And the reality is, is that an occasion like walking into a Costco and buying 16 bars of Dove is very different to that mindset of like, I just need to stock up on my favorite soap versus a dollar store where a consumer is going, I'd like a a really premium soap and I'm prepared to spend a dollar for it. And I want to, it feels like there's something special. It's something, it's a big light, you know, these, you know, someone who's on a lower income who's making careful choices about their money versus a high-end Costco consumer who's just stockpiling. Those are two very different shopping occasions. And I think the same is true with, with food brands, right? Which is you need to understand the mindset that someone goes shopping in and the occasion you're targeting and how you appeal um, to that moment. I mean, I'll give you a, an example of, of, of some of the work I'm doing at the moment. So I'm an investor and a, uh, an advisor to a food, food brand, dog brand uh, called Denzel's, right? Which is a kind of, I, I, I jokingly call them for shorthand, like the innocent of dog treats, right? So lots of personality, big on sustainability, big on flavors. They got kind of very cutesy kind of, um, logo and, and design. The occasion that someone walks into a Tesco's and buys a thing of dog treats is fundamentally different to the moment where you're in a pub with your dog and they're sitting on the counter is the opportunity to buy some dog treats. How you message the brand in those two moments is quite different, right? One is not about price, mm. right? Mm. Right, you're in the pub. You've just bought yourself a pint at whatever pounds, right? If you're in London, seven. If you're outside London, <laughs> maybe less than five, right? And you've bought that pint and you're with your dog and you're like, oh, let's give the dog, you know, like it's a different mindset, right? You want it to be fun. You want it to feel like it's a treat for the dog, right? Whereas you're in a supermarket and you're walking down the dog aisle and you're thinking, I must get some treats for my dog. Oh, which brands are there? What are the pricings? What's the offering, right? Completely different messaging. And I think, you know, actually when brands think about from a food perspective, human food here, you know, actually how you communicate in a Tesco's versus an independent retailer or versus online, the stories you tell, the product offering you have, I think is actually quite different. And I think you need you, there's an opportunity to optimize it for those occasions. And I think that brands, you know, yes, you need to work out what is the knock-knock one thing you're doing, but there are different moments you're having to deliver the knock-knock. The knock-knock on social media is different to the knock-knock at point of sale. Mm-hmm. It is different to the knock-knock in a consumer event you're organizing. The linking this back to the brand as a human being right is is it's the way i don't know why maybe a crass way of saying this but i I think with with that brand saying oh we're not going to change who we are just for the retailer it's not about changing who you are it's how you show up so it's like the way i'll talk tell talk about my ibiza trip for example right to my to my nana who's 85 is very different from the way i'm going to tell it to my mates at the pub still still me talking but it's the way you speak in those as you say optimized per retailer and I think the it, it's it's it, I think putting it down the uh, it's still showing up as the same brand, but telling the story ever so slightly. I'd love to go into 
and I, I think that I think that's I think that analogy is completely correct, right? Which is, it is possible to be authentic to yourself, to be true to your values, to be true to who you are, yeah, right. At a kind of core, fundamental, like what are the things you care about? What are your red lines in the way that you interact with both strangers and close friends? Mm. And the values should be the same, but you'll behave differently to someone you've met the first time than someone you've known since you were ten, right? And actually, but they, but they can both be the same person. They both have the same authenticity. Mm. Let, let's talk about marketing. I mean, I wasn't even expecting us to go down these rabbit holes, so this is super enjoyable. So let, let's talk about marketing plans by retailer. Mm. And I think some of the big lessons you've taken from Unilever that are applicable to challenger brands, I granted it is more complicated. The, in, in the sense, yeah. Yeah, in, in the sense. But what are some of the lessons? Say someone's listening to this, they've got to go in and do a Waitrose marketing plan or a brand plan. What do you think are some of the principles of a great marketing plan? So I think the first thing to say is that the retailers are different, right? And while there are certain truisms like basically everyone shops at Tesco's and pretty much everyone shops at the big retailers at some point, the core consumer group that is at different retailers and the core consumer group that that retailer is targeting are different, right? Understanding your retailer what their mission is, what they're about, and who they're they're targeting, and how you fit into that story, right, is critical. Most buyers, I would say, want more insight into their category. And while lots of retailers have lots of big data on purchase behavior in store, or, um, you know, what's happening at the kind of top level, they might not understand the dynamics of what's actually happening within their category, right? So how are people shopping for that category in different retailers? What are the attitudes and the drivers of that category, right? So you as a brand owner, as a category expert, will probably and should know more about that category, the buyers that are turning up, the dynamics, the future trends, the the, the interesting stuff that's there. Helping the buyer see how they can win in their category is, 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 is the basis of that conversation. And then coming up with marketing tactics that will help you win with those re- with that retailer is critical. The one caveat I would give is, I think one, you know, without being cynical about this, one needs to remember that marketing in retailers is a profit center. Right? Profit center. They make money out of it, right? So in the end, do retailers make money out of milk? Not so much. Do they make money when you put an advert in... You know, when, when they, you know, put a whole bunch of shelf barkers up or run advertising on, you know, their TV network or advertise through their database, they, they make money out of that, right? So they, they want money from their suppliers to support their categories. Um, so you have to be careful and make sure that what you're, what you're picking from the portfolio of offerings that come from the retailer are going to work, mm-hmm. I'll say. Mm. Um, but look, for me, the, the big lesson is, is that you've got to understand your retailer. You've got to then make sure that you're tailoring the mix to the shopper and the relationship that that shopper will have with that category and your brand. You know, if you're a highly established brand and you're trying to drive, you know, large pack size, it's one, it's one strategy. If you're an emerging brand entering into a sleepy category that people have been shopping on autopilot for, for generations, 
got a different a different challenge. Mm. Tell me the difference between the brand plan and the marketing plan. So I think brands get confused with that. And which one comes first? Do you think? Well, I'll start. Oh, well, I, I, so I think the difficulty on that is different school. Different people will call different different things. Right. right? Yeah. I would start with what is the strategy, right? What are the four or five things you're trying to do? Yeah. To kind of at a business level, what are the marketing objectives that sit underneath those business objectives? Yeah. Right? And how are we going to achieve that? So I always start with the classic question of what are we trying to achieve, right? And I do think that too often you end up at a channel conversation like, oh, we need to do social media. Why do we need to do social media? Oh, we need to do point we need to do more kind of outdoor why do we do more out of more outdoor i think the question for brands must be what are the jobs we need to do what are the things we're trying to achieve and then build the plan that achieved those and one of the things that god and anyone who's spent time in big corporations knows the first thing that gets cut in any in any conversation is the marketing budget right? Because it's a variable cost, right? You can't cut the factory, you can't cut the people. So actually, it's much easier to kind of go, well, let's just stop that campaign. If your campaigns are built on a solid logic of what is the business objective, Mm -hmm. what are the marketing objectives to achieve those business objectives, or what are the channels we're going to achieve to achieve to to ladder up, so to speak, then it's easier to get there. So I'm always, I believe in starting, and I do quite a lot of work with the brands I work with on brand planning and on actually kind of building marketing plans right that come from clear strategies uh is you've got to start with those fundamental business objectives one of the objectives is win at tesco's okay right what's the number what's the objective how are we going to measure it from a marketing perspective and then what are we going to do to make that happen and i think the whole thing for me about about measurement and consumer insight is one of the areas that some challenger brands don't spend enough time thinking about you know i'm a big believer um, in in really getting close to your consumer and really understanding them. Getting really close to your consumer and understanding them. So I think, you know, we were talking as we were grabbing a coffee beforehand about the danger of the kind of the London, the London-centric food scene, right? In the end, yes, it's important to win in London, right? And what is it? You know, 12, 13% of the UK. But actually, you've actually got to win at a Tesco's somewhere Darlington, between yeah. two towns, right? Or on the outskirts of town. Or a Waitrose, you know, in the middle of, you know, name a county, right? Suffolk, right? Um, I think in the end, you know, when you own a brand or running a brand, what's really, really important is that you understand at a granular level what do consumers think about your product, right? What do they think about your brand? What do they think about your competitive brand? What are their frustrations? Um, and the reality is most brands have social media following. Most brands have databases, but not enough brands are asking questions of those consumers. Quick one, guys. Espresso's have got a brand new sponsor, Unleashed. Unleashed is inventory management software that talks directly to your finance and econ software. We use Unleashed daily at Islands. I bloody love it. We've got our admin time in half, saving approximately 30k a year. Why use it? Save money, save headaches, save stress. Get granular clarity on your margins. No way your stock is. Don't miss availability. Look, your favourite brands literally use Unleashed as their backbone. Candy Kids, Tiny Rebel, Trip, all these religiously. Look, there's a link in the show notes. Please feel free to book in a call with Josh. 
who's a wonderful sales team at Unleashed. They're amazing. Even nothing comes of it. And even better news, you'll get your first month free if you reference Hungary. Thank you. What questions should they, our listeners be asking to get more insight on, on their consumer base that could actually map upwards to achieve those objectives? Well, I, th- I think if you started the objectives and you work down, like okay. if you've if you've if you've got clear marketing objectives, right? Which is sorry, when you say marketing objectives, so sorry for sounding like a luddite here, but so you're you're basically saying do the brand plan first. I'm saying do the business strategy first, and then ladder that into marketing objectives, and then communication objectives, and then channel choice. You know, start at the absolute top of right. we are trying to grow. Yeah. Let's say you've got a new innovation. So let's take a brand like Fern and Rosie, another yeah. brand I work yeah. with. So let's say Fern and Rosie want to launch a new variant of um, of jam, right? Well, let's say Fern and Rosie want to go into a new retailer, right? What's the financial target? Right, we're trying to achieve X hundred thousand, X million. How are we going to achieve that? What are we going to do to make that happen? And then you literally work through the line, which is like, what are the tactics from promotions to on-packs to, to media, to retailer media, to brand collaborations, to social, to deliver that objectives? Too often, I think brands go, okay, as a brand, what do I need? Oh, I need to be big on you know, Instagram and TikTok, and I need to have a website, I need to grow my database. Like, well, hang on, step back. What are we trying to do, right? What, what, is our, what, what are our actual business objectives, Therefore, what are our marketing objectives that come from those? And then how are we going to achieve those with what channels? And I think, you know, you know, lots of the big corporations are really good at putting in kind of big granular processes that take you through that brand planning cycle. And I do think that brands need to really begin their, their years. We enter into a new year with, you know, sit down, do a swap, work out what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what are your opportunities, what are your threats? Where are the kind of opportunities for the brand that we want to win in? How are we going to achieve them? What are we going to spend to do it? And what channels do we need support to make that happen? I think that kind of, that granular, um, I mean, God, it's boring. I mean, you know, the brand planning process that you'd have to go through at Unilever was excruciating. It took months, right? But ultimately, it gave you the rigor to make sure your plan stood up and you were doing things for the right reason. It's fascinating how there's like, when this William Kendall was talking about this, um, brands go through this gestation period where where founders are a bit you know they most founders are not all I want to make a caveat of this they have this kind of yeah William called it a gestation period and this this almost scattiness that ready fire rate you're trying to find the product market fit so it could be like you know a lot of the brands I interview or founders I speak to their initial idea isn't the idea that makes them famous Completely. so you've got to try throw this throw the lot of shit at the wall basically the, the market will give you the feedback and then you you tailor you tailor tailor that works to a point. Mm-hmm. Maybe once you get into weight, you know, that will get you into your planet organic yourself, which is your Harrods waitress potentially. But then you get to another point, And I always say it's like a, a brand's like a toddler growing up, right? Mm-hmm. You get to a point where you can't be like that. You've got to be sit down and have that rigor. And it is boring, but bo- basic and boring, but it does take you to that, that next level. I think, you know, to be honest, I, I've not, I'm not great at that bit. <laughs> that bit of sitting down to do the actual planning. I don't find that interesting. Um, but I think you're so right in, in terms of brands doing it. In terms of... Some- you, so you, are, you talked earlier about, you about asking someone to define creativity. Creativity for me is about defining a framework and then breaking the rules within that framework. And I think that the great... I think if, you know, if someone says, you know... 
just be creative. Like, so I, I worked with What If Innovation, right? Which is one of, was one of the leading innovation consultancies, now part of Accenture. And we used to go into run brand, brand processes with people like PepsiCo and Unilever and Procter and Gamble and Biostorf, all the big corporations, to help their brand people think creatively about a particular challenge. You would always fail in that process if the task up front was not defined well enough. If you were not clear about what are we trying to be creative about, what are the parameters around that process? You didn't have a hope in hell, right? And we used to, you know, they they always did a, a sort of, before any process, right, the first step was pause in lots of the processes that Unilever had, be like, what if had? And it's like, okay, just stop. Just stop and think for a second. What are we actually trying to do here? Once you've got that, Go nuts, right? But if you're not clear on on absolutely what you're trying to create, that sort of that rigor, you can't be creative. You have to have that constraint to then do that. And I, I'm a real, you know, it's funny. It's not one of the things like you know. It's what Unilever, Unilever changed about me. You know, in when I, mean, I was, you know, I did two degrees in art history. I, you know, my I was when I arrived at Unilever, I was one of the creative ones, you know, was always on all the brainstorms, always doing all the kind of mad creative thinking, the breaking the rules, you know, work building campaigns, like getting Naomi Campbell to wear rubber gloves for a washing up liquid campaign, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. But you know, what Unilever taught me was if you don't get the rigor right at the front, God help you. Um, and I think that is, you know, the thing that really changed you know, me, you know, as a kind of a human being was understanding that need to kind of button things down before you kind of start getting creative. So know, know the framework framework, and then break it. Yeah, break I it love and that. push it. That's, that, that's ultimately linking this back to chefs, right? Is like the framework of, so Tom gave the example of, I'm going to make a, a pork chop with potatoes. That's the framework. Thank you so, so much for listening. It honestly means the world to me. I hope you enjoyed your morning coffee and go and have an amazing day. Let's be having ya. If you want the full episode, it will be in the show notes. A link will be in the show notes, the full episode. Thank you so much. Please leave friends as well. It means a lot to me.